Welcome back to season three of Activista Rise Up. I am your host, Dr. Patricia Campos Medina. You can listen to this conversation on my social media, Spotify, and all Apple podcasts. Today we will talk to an amazing leader who is at the forefront of the movement to defend the rights of our LGBTQ youth and community. Melanie Willingham Jaggers, Executive Director of Glenson. Founded in 1990 by a group of educators focused on helping make our schools safer for our LGBTQ students, Glenson now has 38 different chapters across the country. And now more than ever, their work is at the forefront of confronting bias in our schools around curriculum that attempts to expand our understanding of issues of equality for our LGBTQ youth. Melanie is the first black non-binary individual to lead Glenson in its 32-year history. As the ED of Glenson, at this critical point in time, Melanie is committed to prioritizing racial justice, gender justice, and disability justice in her work to defend and empower our LGBTQ youth. With that, I am delighted to welcome Melanie to have this conversation with all of my listeners at Activista Rise Up. Welcome to our show, Melanie. Hi, Patricia. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's exciting to see you in this in this role at this critical moment in time. Uh, for full disclosure, Melanie and I worked together before uh, at the Worker Institute, uh, working with amazing labor leaders, and, and you were so critical to the development of so much of our curriculum during that time. So uh, I'm excited to see you now leading uh, Glenson and doing this kind of work. So yeah, before yeah. we get started, why don't you tell our listeners and uh, have listeners from all over the East Coast to the West Coast, so it's a national audience and, and very young and enthusiastic about the movement that are happening right now in, uh, in our country. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you um, sure. and what Glenson does? Sure thing. So just the, the brief kind of, um, the brief uh, background I would give you on your, you and your listeners on me is that, you know, I really see my work as having three distinct kind of threads that have led me to this, to this place. The first thread is youth development. I've been working with young people since I was a young person myself. I just had a birthday last week. I turned 40. So I'm officially not a young know. person anymore. <laughs> I teach, True. This is true. This is true. So, um, but I've been working with young people um, as a leader and as a, you know, as a youth leader, as a peer since I was 17 years old. So um, youth work and youth leadership and youth development is at the heart, is at my heart and the core of the work that I do. Um, that's part one. Uh, part two is uh, the piece around kind of learning uh, through all kinds of different modalities. I have a master's degree in applied theater, so I really understand the importance and utility um, um, and criticality of um, art to, for the purpose of learning and, and um, art for the purpose of social justice. And so getting to bring together my love um, and commitment to education, um, making things that are beautiful for the purpose of making the world better um, is that, again, the heart of what I do. And then what you and I did together at the Worker Institute is really around organizational development. Um, I totally nerd out on the things that it means, the things that uh, it takes to make a workplace good and for us to be not only creating justice out in the world, uh, but also to be creating the world that we are looking to build out in the world inside of our organization. So youth development, art making and applied theater, education, and, um, and organizational development really are the frame, is like the larger frame that all of my work fits in. Yeah. 
in one interview um, that you gave uh, recently, um, uh, you said something that is stuck with me, and that's what I said. I should bring Melanie to speak to my to my group. Um, something about how we why this work matters at this time and why it has to be is not just one issue, right? It's, it's, it's an, all the intersectionality because we are we are workers, and as workers, we are different people. We bring a different selves to the work. Uh, so, and that it hit me when I saw the the Disney workers actually going out on strike, protesting uh, the corporation's position in, well, no non-position around the Don't Say um, Gay Bill in Florida. So to me, it was like, of course they're going to do that because there, there are LGBTQ plus workers in, at the facility. And so that stood out for me. And I said, I have to bring Melanie to come uh, talk to because it speaks to what you're trying to do, uh, you know, uh, with, with this issue. How have your experience coming from activism as a young person and then the labor movement? How has that helped you create this lens at Glensen between, you know, our LGBTQ plus youth existing all these dimensions? It's not, it's not just an identity issue, right? It's also, a, you know, a workplace issue. So mm -hmm. how do you, how did that help you make those connections? Yeah, totally. And you know, I totally forgot the, the thread of my background that was about organizing. You know, the youth development work, I often shortcut it to say youth development, but really it's youth organizing. And then it let, that led into kind of um, a, a organizing that was involved in the labor movement and then adjacent to and support of the labor movement. Um, here in New York City, I led um, the Caring Across Generations campaign and I was able to, to grow our coalition um, from about three um, or four organizations to over 40 that represented nearly half a million New York City uh, residents, many of whom were workers uh, and, and all of whom uh, lived in the five boroughs. So I forgot the, I forgot the organizing piece of it, my apologies. Yeah. You know, so here's what I would say as an answer to your question. Audre Lorde talks about, Audre Lorde who is a lesbian, feminist, um, poet, black woman um, from New York with roots in the Caribbean, but from, uh, from Harlem actually where I live. Um, she said that we don't we don't have single issue fights because we don't live single issue lives. And that is at the core of how I understand what our work is and what the work is of this moment, right? So at Glisten, we live at the intersection of, um, of education, of LGBTQ plus civil rights, and at youth activism and youth development. And so, you know, when we are talking about uh, when we when we talk about any of the issues that we work on, particularly making schools safe and affirming for LGBTQ plus students and making sure that every student that goes to school learns, among many other things, right, to respect um, all people, regardless of real or perceived gender identity or sexual orientation. So. So to your point around kind of this intersectionality um, and, and really my focus on. Um, under, we, have to, we understand at GLSEN that we are not going to achieve our mission of making schools safe and affirming for LGBTQ plus youth. Um, if, we can, if we continue to think about our young people as rainbow colored stick figures, right, where LGBTQ is their only identity. That's just not true. There are no rainbow colored stick figures walking around in the world, I promise you, right? <laughs> so what is true is that these young people who are LGBTQ plus come from communities that are Black and Indigenous and people of color. They come from communities that are that have immigrant experiences. They come from communities who have maybe fraught relationships with various institutions, policing, uh, government, education. So we have to, if we're going to support young people who are LGBTQ plus, 
to be successful in schools, we have to take into consideration who they are. And they are um, many, many things and come from communities and families experiences themselves that um, that that are that represent a beautiful diversity of who we have in this country. So our focus on making sure that our education system achieves racial justice outcomes, gender justice outcomes, and disability justice outcomes really is at the heart of the work that we do because we know that young people who are, um, for example, the majority of young people who are in schools right now um, are youth of color. That's just the demographic reality of our of our country. That means the majority of LGBTQ plus young people are also youth of color. So then we have to understand that if we're going to be supporting youth uh, who are LGBTQ plus, we've had to take into consideration who they are and their fullness. What is your vision for Glens, the work of Glenson moving forward? Because I think that you, who you are. Uh, uh, what you bring to the role as a, a non-binary woman um, and your experience coming from a working class background and leading this organizing, I mean, it's, it's also trans, uh, transformative for Glenson, you know, that you are the, the uh, executive director at this, at this moment in time. So what is your vision um, for Glenson and the work that it will take? Because I, it feels like we're going back you know, we have moved forward on issues of, 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 of rights for the LGBTQ plus community. And with this, uh, this reaction that, has, that is happening in our schools, specifically around curriculum, around books. Um, and so what is your vision and what do you as a woman of non-binary women of color bring to this, to this moment? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the question. So I'll start off where you started, which is what my vision is for GLSEN. Yeah. Uh, my vision... Um, so first of all, let me just say that um, at Glisten, we understand, and I, at the at the core of my body, at the core of my being, understand that education is the cornerstone of democracy. We are not going to have a democracy, period, if we can't figure out how to educate every single person in our society so that they can participate fully in a way that is grounded in reality, right, and that is ready to relate to um, to other people in our society. So because education is the cornerstone of democracy, we've got to get education right. And it also makes it really clear about why our opposition is coming for is coming for education. Because if you can undermine facts, if you can say that there is nothing that is true, if you can say that anything that makes you feel uncomfortable should be illegal, right? Then it's the people who have the most power, who have always had the most power, who will do anything they can to ensure that they continue to have power. It's going to leave all of us out, and that's not just people of color. It's workers, right? It's people who are uh, who need to participate in our society who will who will be left out if we let the interests who are driving this conversation win. And that's why we've got to win um, and not them. So, so my vision for Glisten is that we we work to create an education system that is um, and, and a school experience that is liberated, right? It is free from harm. There is an absence of harm and all the bad stuff, but there's also the presence of everything that every single learner needs to be fully successful and thrive in schools, right? So whatever your needs are, when you walk into, into a school building, into a, into a learning community, you should have everything that you need to be fully successful there. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. The, the broader concept here is called universal design, right? Yeah. So uh, in city planning, um, you know, after World War I, when many people were returning from the conflict and who had, um, who had sustained physical injuries when they went off to war, right? Many people uh, were coming back uh, uh, home from war. They might have um, had a limb amputated. Um, and so what they, what 
what we did as a country, right, as we were as we were planning cities, is we created cutouts at the corners for people to um, for people who needed the accessibility support to be able to easily walk up onto a curb, right? And what was originally designed for people who were who might have been an amputee or had sustained other um, other injuries from war actually showed to have a beneficial and virtuous effects across our society. So it wasn't just someone who was using a who were using crutches or a cane or maybe using a wheelchair that benefited from the side uh, the sidewalk cutouts. It was people who were pushing strollers. It was elderly people. It was you know children um, and and people who were smaller, right? That were able to use that sidewalk cutout um, in a way that maybe they didn't and maybe we all collectively didn't understand would be helpful for them. So um, this is the same example, right? It's that when we when we build for the person, with, for the learner in schools who needs the most support, what we are also doing is building accessibility and support for every other person to be to be successful, to have access, right? And so that should be the baseline. Um, so that's part one of my vision for Glisten is that we are working to create a education system where every single person has every single learner that walks into a school building um, or a classroom has everything they need to be successful. The second um, is really that we that we we rebuild education so that it is a it is a liberating experience so that we come cl to a fuller, closer, um, uh, more beautiful understanding of ourselves and of those around us. So that when we you know we put in you know young people when they're you know three years old in kindergarten, five years old in um, sorry three years old in preschool and five years old in kindergarten. They come out, you know, you know, a little bit folkier, uh, both in appearance and, you know, smells at 18, right? They come out, you know, near adulthood at 18 years old. We should be graduating young people through that entire process that are more whole. They are more, they are more connected to the world around them. They are less fearful of what it means to be in this society and in this world. And they are prepared to help us lead and guide our democracy and to be conscientious contributors to, you know, to the globe, right, to humanity. That's what education is for. That's what GLSEN exists to do. We exist to fix education to make sure that every young person can get the most out of it and can be the best of themselves when they come out of education. And we're particularly focused around young people who are LGBTQ+, because these are young people who we know have um, have uh, have worse outcomes um, because of the because of the bias that exists in our society, and we have the opportunity, we have the materials, we have the research that tells us what we need to do to solve that problem. And so we've been at this for thirty years. We've been making good progress. We have really shifted the um, the broad narrative, right, of understanding that you know from thinking that bullying was a part of life that was unchangeable nothing we could do about it you shouldn't be gay and if you are gay then maybe bullying will help solve that problem that's where we were in 1990 yeah. we are not there now right we understand of course bullying still happens um but it's less bad than it's less prevalent than it was then and no one accepts it as a thing that we cannot change and that we have that we don't have responsibility to change yeah. everyone understands that bullying is a problem that we all have and that we all have a responsibility to shift that's because of listen. That's the work because that's because of the work that we've done, um, and then across the movement, we've we've made other uh, other progress, which is so important. And there continues to be a lot of work to do, but um, but we are we are on the road, and the, and the work continues. Yes. How does Glenson work? For example, let's let's break it down for or for for people who want to connect with you or want to do this work uh, in their schools. If there's a there's a teacher who's listening to us or a student, a young person 
who, who wants more information, wants to bring the support of Glenson to the school? What does that look like? Yeah, great question. So we have uh, we are a national nonprofit that has um, that has chapters all over the country. We have about forty chapters across the country, and I would say that a, a third of those forty chapters exist on the coast. Um, you know, from southern Maine to northern Virginia, and then about a half a dozen on the west coast. And the rest of our chapters are in the south, in the middle of the country, the south and the Midwest. That to me. Uh, is a reminder of how deeply powerful it is to have a grassroots community distributed network of people who are invested in and committed to the well-being, the safety, the affirmation um, of young people in their communities and in their schools. So that's part one. So join us, right? Uh, go to glisten.org. Say you want to um, start a chapter email us at community um, at glisten.org and someone will get back to you around how you can start a chapter. That's part one. Um, part two is, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna back up a little bit and go and talk a little bit about our, our approach. Yes. At Glisten, um, we started our research in 1999. Um, and since then we've done studies biennially, so every other year, um, to, to understand the firsthand experiences of young people in secondary school. Uh, from eighth grade up. So, and what we've discovered and what we found um, over the last uh, 20 plus years are that there are four things that help young people be, be successful in schools. Supportive educators and staff, inclusive curriculum, supportive policies, and GSAs and other supportive peer spaces, right? So those are the four things that are necessary to help young people be successful in school and like raise their um, raise the likelihood that they're going to graduate. They're going to have higher grades. They're going to have better mental health. They're going to they're going to exit the education system more full and more whole and more connected yeah. as young adults. Yeah. Uh, we know that supportive educators make the difference. While one educator makes a huge difference, we know that six educators it, that is the threshold that you would need in order to make sure that this young person is really going to like knock it out of the park um, in high school. Inclusive curriculum is about them being able to see themselves, their lived experience, the experiences of their families and communities reflected in what they're learning, right? And this is really what's under attack by our opposition, right? Yeah. Well, our opposition doesn't want you to say gay, right, in, yeah. um, in South, in Florida. Um, and that's really about making sure that young people who come from diverse communities are silenced, that their experience is silenced, that people who don't come from that community never know that there are folks from this community, from the LGBTQ plus community that have contributed things, that have always been here, and that have been, um, you know, part of our, again, pluralistic multiracial democracy. This is also where the attacks on, you know, the so-called anti-CRT attacks are coming from. This is really a ban on the truthful telling of history and our present um, challenges in this country and where the progress has been made and what progress still is to be made. So inclusive curriculum is really core because it helps young people understand what is education for? What am I learning about this stuff You know, for? Yeah. You're learning about it because everyone has been involved in this country and shaping this country and moving it forward. Mm. Thirdly, around the supportive policies, it's not about if something goes bad or wrong for a young people, for a young person in school, it's about when. Uh, when those things go wrong, right? So do when things go wrong in a classroom or a hallway um, or on school grounds, so do the young people have uh, what they need um, by way of supportive policies to make sure that they can go to the administration, go to the school system and have rely on adults to help make 
help help make the situation right. Yeah. Um, this is also about young people being able to participate in all parts of school life, right? We know that you know trans young people in playing athletics is a is a political uh, hot potato right now, right? Yeah. This whole idea of should trans kids be able to play? Um, and yeah. and for us as an organization that advocates for young people in K twelve education, we know the purpose of play in schools is about play. <laughs> it's about yes. social, uh, it's about, you know, social relationships, psychological and sociological, sociological development, yeah. teamwork, right? Yeah. It's about, um, it's about being, you know, being uh, good at being a part of a team or a, and a collection of people. Yeah. It's not about, it's not about competition, right? It's not about prize money. It's not even about scholarships. It's about play. Yeah. Um, and I can say as a person who played, um, uh, who played varsity basketball throughout high school, I was never any good, but I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you make never great friends, right? Make great friends, and I learned so many, so many things around leadership um, that I continue to that I continue to use now. And then finally, I'll just say that you know every student has the right in schools to form um, a GSA, what has been called in the past gender and sexuality, uh, uh, gay straight alliances, and what's now called gender and sexuality alliances. We've uh, they have the right to do that, but. There are people in schools who are um, limiting their right to uh, their their like civilly protected, federally protected right to form student clubs um, is being blocked now in far too many places. And so, I, I will wrap this part up by saying that we need people to get involved because we know what works for young people in schools. We know what helps keep them there. We knows what we know what helps them show up to school. We know what helps them get good grades. We know what helps them develop um, develop appropriately. And, the, and our opposition is specifically and on purpose attacking the things that they know work because their purpose is to harm children, right? Yeah. So we've got we've to gotta stop them from hurting kids and we have to get involved. So one, one thing you can do is get involved with the GLSEN chapter, reach out to us, we'll help you form one. The other thing you can do, and I think that all of us have to do, is get um, active and get aware of what's happening on school boards. Um, the right wing is coming for school boards because that's what controls policies. That's what controls curriculum. That's what controls what student, what uh, what staff and other educators can say and do in, in classrooms and so in schools. And so yeah. part of what we're talking about, again, we know what works uh, and, our, and the, the opposition is coming for what works for that exact reason because their, their purpose is to harm kids. And so we've got to be um, as adults, as caring adults, as folks who are interested in social justice and committed to justice, we've got to be involved and aware of what's happening and pushing back at the local level because so much of education is um, is is actually determined at the local level. Yeah. And then here's the final thing I'll say. We are launching um, a campaign called Rise Up, which I'm super excited about, which awesome. is the purpose of Rise Up is to have digital and physical collateral like swag, materials, so that people who care about and support young people who are LGBTQ plus can have physical signage, right, to indicate that, hey, I'm a, I'm a supportive adult. I want you to be out here thriving, living your best life, and I'm going to do what I can to help support you um, in, that, in that effort, in that endeavor. And, and so, here an activista rise up. We're going to rise yeah. up with you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, so that we can support uh, all this work. And this critical, this is a, such a critical developmental moment for young people, you know, uh, and in high school, when they're trying to just decide who they, who they are, who they're going to be, what type of friends they, they, they uh, coalesce with. I mean, it's such an important moment that they ought to be supported uh, uh, and, and be seen. And one of the, and you're absolutely right, one of the most worrisome things that are happening is this 
takeover of our local school boards in the curriculum uh, and the curriculum fights that are going over about people not wanting certain things to be represented uh, around identity. Um, and we're seeing here, right here in New Jersey, all over the place, over the new guidelines uh, on, on how to teach about sexuality and, and identity in the work, in the schools and the and the and the level of attacks against that. And what's more worrisome to me is how it's being veiled by the right as a religious choice, as a choice, as a parent's choice. What do they teach their kids? So how do you respond to that? Like, what's the answer? Is, is it really a parent's choice? What do you teach your kids? Or is or there is a responsibility from society to teach certain norms about how we ought to how we ought to treat each other in society? So how are you addressing that whole re, um, re, bringing the parent's choice in the curriculum design? Yeah. Well, listen, you know, I come from a, I come from a household. I was raised by a parent who wanted me to know more than she knew and who wanted me to do more and better than she was able to do. And as a result, she sent me to school and she made sure that I would, I went there and I learned something. Okay, and, uh, that's exactly right. You know? so, so there's a fundamental difference between my mama, uh, right. And then, and these people, right. Who actually want to make the world smaller who just want their kids to know, who want their kids to know less than what they know and who want to shape the story about the world that their kids live in and are going to inherit to be their version of what the world should be versus a version of the, the true picture of what the world is. Okay, so that's the biggest frame. Um, it is, uh, the biggest frame is that um, we ought not be foreclosing on the futures of our young people by only telling them what we want them to know. We ought to be educating them fully. Here's the second piece, right? When we're talking about uh, parental rights and students' rights, whose parents and what students? Yes. Right? So yes. how about this? How about we respect every family? And every family across our, across our society, our families look, look various ways. Some of them look nuclear. Some of them are cisgender. Some of them are straight. A lot of them are not. A lot of them are non-traditional, right? There are people whose grandparents and other elderly elderly family members or non-parental family members are taking care of them. Let's respect those people too, right? So the whole purpose of education is to lead, is to present folks with information, help them understand the information so they can navigate the world. Let's do that versus indoctrinating children into the worldview that you have that you are becoming very defensive and scared about because you see the world changing around you. And you see the world changing around you in ways that there are people who have been traditionally left out of power positions, have been traditionally left out of participating fully in our democracy. And that yeah. scares a lot of folks, but that is motivated by white supremacy. That is motivated by capitalism. That is not motivated by any efforts to educate young people or to care for them. It's, a, it's motivated by an, um, a, the desire to reify and um, and hold up and prop up um, power that was ill-gotten in the first place. It's absolutely right. I was thinking at the end of the days about education used to be, a, who had access to education, it was supposed to be about power and access to resources, right? So, uh, and, and one of the premises of, of our democracy and something you raised earlier is that we have a democracy because everybody is sort of learning a certain uh, area, level of norms that we all share as a society. And we have evolved, right? Um, with civil rights fights, with immigrant rights fights, with LGBTQ plus fights. We have evolved as a society that we are learning to live together. 
So if we're learning to live together, all our stories have to be reflected on the, on what we're learning at schools. That's um, right. <laughs> so that is a that is a view of education that that acknowledges what you also said earlier that the population is changing. Young people in schools are diverse from color to race to you know to to gender identity. So we have to uh, include them on what we are and the experiences that we're teaching. Who do you work with? Who are your allies as you expand this big vision of what our education system should do and a curriculum should do in a school system? Who are your allies that you work with? Institutions, and then how can and how do you work in communities? Um, that are trying to figure out how to push back against this conservative view of what a, a school education should be like. Yeah. So what we do is we work upstream and then we work with the end users. Okay. So um, upstream, that means that we are looking to make sure that the rules of the road are supportive and are in place, right, for young people to be able to rely on, uh, for educators to be able to rely on, and for families all families to be able to rely on, right? So um, what we do is we work at the federal, at the state and the local level, again, to make sure that comprehensive policies are in place that help to support young people who are LGBTQ plus um, be safe and supported in schools, right? If it's not about if, but it's about when something goes wrong, right? It, young people and their families have a policy to go back to, to lean on, to say, hey, let's make this right. And here's how you do it. Um, that's like part, part one. And, and here's what I'll say too, additionally, is that in our country, we have, um, just under 16,000 school districts. So we often think about, um, you know, an education, like the United States education system. We don't have one system. We have 16,000 systems, right? And so, um, as a, as a person who identifies as queer, this really reminds me of the, of the marriage fight. Right back in the back in the day, less than ten years ago, uh, there was a there was a win on um, on the federal recognition of LGBTQ plus marriages. Right, and while states had been kind of doing it locally, right, you get married in New York very early on, you get married in Massachusetts and California. If I, you know, who uh, I, I come from, Cincinnati, Ohio, if I were to get married in New York but go to Cincinnati, Ohio, according to, according to Ohio, I wouldn't be married. God forbid something terrible happened to me or my partner. We, you know, get involved with the state system, the system, medical system, for example, wouldn't recognize that my wife was my wife and she couldn't be in place to make, you know, necessary life death decisions. Right. Yeah. That's not right. That that level of exposure and lack of protection was not right. And so what we did in order to solve that, um, that patchwork of protection, that patchwork of civil rights and ability to participate fully in our democracy is we solved it federally. We made sure that everywhere in this country there is federal recognition of same-sex uh, marriages. And, and when it comes to education policy, we are looking to do the same thing. We're looking to, to patch those holes, right, where in the New York City school district, for example, versus the school district in Newark, New Jersey, right, just, as a, just using, you know, um, districts that are, that are next to each other. They, they might have very different policies, right? The experience of a young person in a school around the corner from me um, up here in Harlem and a person who's going to school in Newark, New Jersey might be very different, right? That ought not be the case. It ought to be that every single young person that walks into any school gets the same protection, same education, same supports wherever they go. 
Um, and so part of what we're doing is um, really working at the top level, right, to do the to, to make sure the rules of the road, the policies, the guidances, uh, funding, et cetera, go to the things that we know work. So that's the that's like the policy research, et cetera, work that we do. Now at the grassroots, um, what we do is is work with the end users, right? We work to support young people through GSAs and other kind of uh, what we call shine teams, which are like GSAs, but outside of school, right? Peer support is basis for LGBTQ plus youth. We work with our chapters. Um, they do work um, out in the world uh, that is that has to do with professional development for um, educators and administrators. What are the best practices? How do you help make your classroom, your school, your learning community safe and effective and supportive and affirming for, um, for LGBTQ plus young people? We also work with teachers um, to make sure they have what they need um, in order to be uh, allies to create safe space for LGBTQ plus youth. So those are the, the those are the kind of the big ways in which we do our work upstream, working on the policy level, and then downstream or at the end user level, working to make sure that schools are safe and affirming environments with teachers and educators, administrators, and students to make sure that everything is is you know that we are literally setting up our young people for success however we can. Why do you say? Um... What, what gives you hope that we are going to keep moving forward at this moment? Because sometimes yeah. it feels like we're going back. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, you know, good news, bad news, right? Mm -hmm. So part of the reason we're facing the attacks that we are is because we're winning, right? We're winning. The world is changing, yeah. you know? So we're getting the pushback because, because the other side is scared and well-funded and loud um, and desperate. Uh, to protect and preserve this, like you know, um, this mythical world that that used to that used to uh, exist, right? That when America used to be great, right? That's really the that's really the worldview that that folks are looking to push forward. So um, you know, part of what gives me gives me hope is that uh, the backlash that we're seeing right now, I think, is indicative of us winning. Yeah. Um, that's the good news. Here's the bad news. Right. The bad news is that it used to be that the, our opposition could, you know, like reveal that someone was gay. And then that would take that would make them, you know, uh, radioactive. Right. They couldn't run for office. They couldn't hold any kind of, you know, uh, job. They that is no longer um, a political tool that works. Right. Yeah. Thankfully. Right. We've really yeah. shifted the culture in that way, except for. Right. But what but the, the bad news here is that they continue to come for the most marginalized, the most vulnerable. Um, part of our LGBTQ plus community, which are transgender people, and particularly yeah. transgender children. And so what's happening right now is that our opposition is coming for trans people in the way that they would come for gays and lesbians, right, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, even yeah. 80s and 90s. And so what we have to be unwilling to do is we have to be unwilling to let our opposition pick off the most vulnerable um, and uh, the most at-risk part of our community. We have to understand that an attack on transgender people, an attack on non-binary people is an attack on all of us and that we won't stand for it. We certainly won't stand for attacks on, on um, trans and non-binary students. And so that's why the work of GLSEN feels so important. That's what gives me the hope, right? It, which is that we are not backing down from this fight. You pick on our kids and we are gonna defend them you know, to the ends of the earth uh, because every young person matters. These young people matter, transgender people, are loved parts of our communities. They are they are wonderful people. Trans folks are everywhere and they are parts of our communities, our families, and we refuse to let them be targeted and we refuse to let them be picked off 
um, by the same folks who wanted to who wanted to discredit people by by saying that they were gay back in the day. We're not going to let them do that to trans folks. The most amazing thing to me in this moment um, is, of course, seeing who's stepping up to lead this moment movement of uh, transgender uh, leaders of color, young people um, uh, who are immigrants and like they exist. I mean, I love some of the DACA leaders in the immigrant justice reform were like transgender and they were LGBTQ plus and they were so courageous. Uh, so they had to battle, you know, not just the the, the, um, the emotional trauma of having to not be themselves, but also the other emotional trauma of having insecurity in their, in their immigration economic status. So, uh, the, but one thing that, and I, that we see a lot, and, you know, in the Latino Hispanic community, perhaps is this bias against, uh, you know, um, acceptance in our community, perhaps because of our religious background of our community. Do you see that more now than before? Because I see that the courage of the young people has actually awakened their elders to say, "Okay, we can actually talk about this." So, have you seen a, a change in that in that cultural acceptance and that was intertwined with the the religious, you know, bias that sometimes we grow up with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, a personal hero of mine and a, um, one of the uh, the first um, um, out um, uh, gay uh, politicians in this country, Harvey Milk. Um, I went to college in San Francisco, so I feel super connected to and super enlivened by the history of that place. And Harvey, one of the things that Harvey Milk, I think um, his lasting, one of his lasting contributions is the call to people to come out. Gay people, trans people have always existed, right? And part of what he was calling on um, on our community to do um, back in the 70s was to come out, help people understand that gay people aren't, you know, like boogeymen um, hiding under a bed or living in a closet, that we are parts of your family. We are your children. We are your siblings and relatives. Um, you already know us. We have already, we have always been here. So it's important that we come out. And the other thing I would say, around, particularly around coming out, is that it's not it's not necessarily for the, the, the LGBTQ plus person themselves, because, you know, if you're gay, you're gay. If you're queer, you're queer. You're out here. You know who your people are. You know where your community is. The purpose of coming out is so that people who are still in the closet, for whom it is not yet safe or they don't yet feel comfortable to come out, that they can see that there's life on the other side of that closet door. That, that, that life doesn't end when you come out. It really does begin in really beautiful um, and important ways. And so I think it's it has been a beautiful um advancement in our society over these last 20 years, really, um, to see kind of how LGBTQ plus folks have come out, have become more visible, how we see our stories and our communities, and our family structures reflected in, in popular media, um, reflected in artwork, reflected out in the world. And so I just think it's really important that we that we make sure to tell our stories. Um, and, and here's what I would and here's what I would offer to your point. Particularly around inter around communities who are who might be immigrant or people of color uh, or come from religious um, highly religious communities, it's that it's important to let people know that that you and we are already that we have always been here, um, and that we that you already know us, you already love us, um, mm -hmm. and it really is about giving parents, giving families, giving communities the opportunity to know and love um, the full person for who they are not just the parts of them that they want to know, but to, to be known fully um, it, it is to be in, in meaningful, accountable and true relationship. And that's what we need. Again, if we're gonna be, if we're gonna have a democracy and I hope that we do for a very long time, and I hope that we have a democracy where for the first time, everyone 
who's a part of it gets to participate and gets to lead. It has to be based on us knowing each other and us being in meaningful relationship with one another across our differences. And in, and with that, with those words, I think um, it's important that to honor the courage of those who come out because it gives all of us the power to say, yes, I want to be, I embrace your whole self and how can I support you? And for us to learn how to support them, how can we stay them and you and all of us, all of those courageous souls who are who are leading the way in transforming our society? Because these battles have been fight, being fought for a long time, and there were many courageous people before, but there's many courageous people now, right? So how can people get engaged with Glenn and with you, and if they, uh, to 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 get the tools? Because I feel like we also need tools to understand how to manage ourselves and like our own bias because we don't you know we don't carry some bias ourselves so how do we get some tools and connect with you to yeah to learn yeah totally well go to start off by going to glisten.org um and you can navigate there to get to download resources we have a whole library of resources that are for the classroom at uh, age appropriate and grade level appropriate uh kind of they're organized in that way yeah. that's part one um you know, part two is we do trainings. Um, we offer our kind of written resources, but frankly, if reading something is the way that you is the way that we that any of us learned exclusively, then the world would be very different now, right? Yeah. Part of how we change the world is we get into meaningful, true relationship with one another. So get connected, find your people. We've got nearly forty chapters all over the country. Find a chapter, get connected. Um, email us at the national office um, if you want to start a chapter or get connected, and we're happy to plug you in. You can follow me um, at the Melster on Twitter. Um, I tweet occasionally. Sometimes I'm funny. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's a lot of fun on my on my timeline. Um, but I look forward to being uh, in this work in this movement. This is I'm not I am the first uh, person who looks like me to lead this organization. Um, but uh, but people who look like me have always been leading this movement. People who look like you have always been leading this movement. And the listeners, people like you, have always been leading this movement. We might not know the names of those folks, but they have always been there. So. Make sure that you show up, uh, that you get in relationship with each other, with people who don't look like you, who people with people who don't have the same background as you do, um, because it, it will take all of us to make this place better, and 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 we need that. Yes, and we need uh, your activism, the activists of our listeners, to support those who are in this courageous fight to be their true selves, and to change and keep our democracy alive. And that means that all of us have to be. Uh, our stories have to be told, our stories have to be elevated, and it's up to all of us to defend uh, a vision of America that is really inclusive for everyone. So thank you, Melanie, I'm so excited for the role that you're playing at Glensing at this moment in time, and for the connections that you're making on issues that some people will say they're not connected, but they are. Workplace rights, education rights, LGBTQ plus rights, they're all connected because we live together you know, in our communities. And therefore we have a common fight. Thank you so much for joining me. All the information is going to be at the end of the website of how to stay in contact with uh, with Melanie and Glenson. And please, please reach out. We all live in communities that have a school. We all have children in the school system or our, or our neighbors are in the school system. Pay attention to what's happening in our school boards. And, and it's not indoctrination in any size. It's an indoctrination in what we believe America should be, a place where we can all can thrive uh, and move forward together.
Thank you. This is Activista Rise Up. Join us.